Okay. Mainline coil. Artificial line coil. New armature lever. Separate batteries, supplementaries. All new contrivances. It's the 11th Street Telegram, your premier anachronistic news and entertainment program, coming to you from the offices of the 11th Street Telegraph Agency. Blazanov then will speak in high voice. Keep speaking on in your low voice while Blazanov at the same time speaks highly. This From is this point on, I shall speak in a and recorded elsewhere by instruments with appropriate sensitivities. The Coen Brothers Movie Podcast, Bill. Yeah. A Serious Man. The seri A Serious Man, which is truly the pinnacle. Um, truly, truly my favorite of their movies. Um, I really like Inside Lewin Davis, too, though. And that's only a couple movies away. But <clears throat> this it, one is hard to top for me. I, I it's, it's hard for me, too. And... We were talking before, and, and I said, I think currently it might be my favorite one, my yeah, favorite movie, but like throughout time, I think my favorite is, it's very hard to get to get past how much I like um, um, Big Lebowski. Yeah. And, 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 and there's, there's things in, in A Serious Man that are like, I feel like are like a response, like a Lebowski response in a way. Like some uh -huh. of the hard cuts with like the, the the like boom noise, and there's like a hard cut to a different scene. Yes, I don't know if you saw that, but um, yeah, that was. It's there was a lot of Lebowski, it, it, Lebowski isms like that that happened. Absolutely, uh, yeah, I think that this of of all their movies, this is honestly the one with the most kind of simpatico with the big lebowski in some ways mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think so um and and it's also them trying to like it's like it it's like they're they're amping up the um metaphysical horror of of things just mm -hmm. the existential dread yes um that Lebowski kind of doesn't have at all, I don't think. Right. And there's also, um, both in this one and in Big Lebowski, there's a lot of the idea that sometimes there's no meaning to a thing. It just kind of is. There's mm -hmm. a bit of that in No Country for Old Men as well, I suppose. But, you know, the way that in A Serious Man, you've got the long parable about the, the goy's teeth. And then in The Big Lebowski, one of the plot threads is that there's this kidnapping, which wasn't actually a kidnapping. It was just, you know, she she went to Vegas, had some fun, came back home. Yeah, yeah. The, and the, the funny thing about that in Lebowski is, is that 
Walter was right the entire mm-hmm. time. Right. And you, you don't think that Walter would be right about something. Yeah. And just because he's kind of a buffoonish character. And I guess right. maybe there, there might be a little bit of that in in these characters in A Serious Man, too, because the guy who's telling him that story is probably right about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the 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 rabbi who tells the goy's teeth story he's he's kind of he's kind of an idiot or portrayed to be you know yeah yeah but he's he's most likely right it was just something that happened yep yeah helping others can't hurt helping others can't hurt yep yep when you saw this for the first time and it got to the scene where Arthur was getting into the rowboat and about to go away. Yeah. Did you think that that was actually like? Were you? Did, did you instantly know it was just like a little dream sequence, or or did did it? Catch I didn't you know it was a. I obviously no. I didn't instantly know it was a dream sequence. It seemed plausible to me that 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 trying to help a a a man wanted by the law escape to Canada could potentially be another mess that Larry is getting himself into. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So as as far as I remember, I wasn't certain it was a dream sequence until, of course, you know, what happens at the end of it. <laughs> and one of the things I noticed this time is that he gets shot right in the sebaceous cyst. <laughs> the bullet entrance is right at the back of his neck where he has to drain his cyst. I, to my knowledge, a sebaceous cyst can get a little bad but i've never heard of them being that bad so i have had sebaceous cysts and they don't not to go into too much graphic detail here but you can in fact kind of empty them out yeah and then they can kind of come back but not on a daily basis yeah it's not something that you'll need to drain every day no yeah i mean yeah yeah (laughs) and there's this one scene when they're staying at the jolly roger and arthur's in the bathroom draining his cyst but he's put the little suction machine outside the bathroom (laughs) instead of bringing the suction machine into the bathroom with him he left the suction machine outside the bathroom maybe there was that it's long rubber cord is like going in maybe there was no electrical outlet maybe that's why he had to do it maybe that's right maybe the bathroom was so tiny that right. he just couldn't he just couldn't squeeze it in the jolly roger man God, that funny. the it are is every quotable line from fred melamed a lot of them oh the yeah yeah the um cy abelman i watched it this time around so and, i was convinced I, that when he says Letting it breathe, so important. I was convinced that he repeats that line over and over, but he only ever says it one other time, which is in the dream sequence when the coffin is being nailed and he says, nailing it down, so important. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. He's, they, just, they just captured his character. He's, he's In a way, he's, he's sort of a Walter Sobchak type. Mm. Like, he's bigger than... Um, Larry is that his Larry. name? Mm-hmm. His name's Larry. Yeah, Larry Gopnik. That's right, Larry Gopnik. I don't know why. Um, but he he's bigger than Larry, and he and he often is like hugging Larry in the way that 
that Walter hugs the dude at the end. He's a physically imposing presence. Yeah, but yeah. but that hug that they do, the dude mm-hmm. is sort of like just like standing there, similar to the way Larry's standing there. Mm-hmm. He's very yeah, but the way the way Sai is just very handsy with him the whole time. He's like yeah, touching his face. I think yeah. even yeah, just, and and his like wild clothes that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet he went to some sort of like like. You know, this was the. It was 1970 at least, right? Because that's when Abraxas came out, I believe. No, that's a mistake. It takes place in 1967. Oh, oh yeah, it says that's listed on IMDb as one of the goofs because yeah, oh. Abraxas didn't come out until a few years after yeah. the 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 movie takes place. Um, but I bet he, you know, I bet that I bet that's like a nod to those like personal journey type. Uh, mm. um like like in the americans yes that, that stuff that that guy went yes through. yes so yeah you're saying like cy abelman has probably been to some seminars yeah yeah that yeah. makes sense that makes sense yeah, i totally maybe, see that maybe jewish related maybe not uh-huh am I too, absolutely am I too echoey am i too echoey? no i don't hear any echo okay okay yeah. All right. um man there's just so much that's good like the music struck me this time as being really really good because it's this little it's really just like this one kind of like musical motif which is often just sort of tinked out on a piano but they can ramp it all the way up to a sort of full orchestral sound when the moments get really dramatic um so the the, both the original score but also the use of whatever music like there's that i guess Yiddish folk singer that Larry likes to listen to to kind of relax. Is that Larry listening to it, or is he? I think Arthur is the one that likes to listen to that, and he's in Arthur's. Yeah, Arthur's staying there. That might be. That might be that it's Arthur that chooses to listen to it. Yeah. Maybe maybe it is Larry, but um, yeah, yeah, that <laughs> Yiddish folk singer. It's. It, it, it's just it's also it's also good yeah it's hard to like it's hard to be critical about this movie because everything is just makes me crack up it's so good it's i think it's uh, you we've talked about this before i think it's one of those movies where if you are not in on the coen brothers joke yeah you would be like thrown off thrown off completely like yeah because they do the thing like we talked about before they do the thing where it's it's like comedic but they're using the like visual and audio flags so to speak of a horror movie mm-hmm. or of a very serious impending type thing yes and it, i i just i can picture somebody not un, not getting like just not getting it like yeah what's happening in this movie i'm uncomfortable laughing at this i don't know right yep absolutely lots of shots of ears in this movie lots of ear shots there's yes and i wondered if there was something if there's something within judaism about the significance of your ear regarding your soul or something like that hmm yeah, I, I, I kind of wondered about that, but I don't really have access to it. I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a, a testament to how good they are. That 
this movie, I mean, I bet if you were to ask the Coen brothers, like, who is this movie for? They would say other Jews from Minnesota from the sixties. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's so specifically embedded within not just Jewish culture, but specifically Midwestern Jewish culture that like, it's, 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 a, it's a really great example of how if you try to make a movie for everybody, you're actually making it for nobody. But if you just lean into the specificity of a thing, you find that it that has a broader appeal than you expect. I think this is a good illustration of that because there's lots of in-jokes and lots of little cultural signifiers and references that probably we're not getting. But there's something I really like. I like a movie when I can tell that there's a specific thing I'm not getting. Like, I like the feeling of not understanding something that clearly is grounded in something real that I just don't have access to. Right, yeah. And I think that there's some of that in this movie for sure. Yeah. Um. So looking at the old box office mojo for this movie, mm -hmm. release date, October 2nd, 2009. Mm-hmm. Domestic gross. Now, one of the things I don't see on here is is the budget. But domestic gross nine million twenty two thousand and nine million two hundred and twenty eight thousand and yeah. some other monies. Um international twenty two million. Interesting. So, okay. So that's what IMDb has. IMDb does have an estimate of the budget, which was 7 million. Okay. So, so it's made its money back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, inter it's interesting. Um, I don't know. It's just, it, it's interesting that it's not like slam like a big old slam dunk but i don't see how it could have been you know right it's so specific um the other movies out at the time oh good one you wanna you wanna um here i'll 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 steal a bit from blank check podcast okay i'll vaguely describe a movie um by the way this was it's not even it's not even on i i see it nowhere and it's at 29th <laughs> it's 29th in the list of for um, that year for for the for that weekend okay okay so we won't do all of them but let's start at Okay, so number nine, a movie by another niche kind of auteur director featuring a big star, huge star, um, playing a buffoonish kind of character. Whoa. Auteur director, both TV and movies. David Fincher? Nope. Close. I don't know. Uh, P.T. Anderson? No. Steven? Soderbergh. There you go. 
big star playing a goofy kind of character Mm -hmm. so this would have been unless i'm why i'm gotta check that i'm not getting the the director wrong no i yeah no that's the right that's the right guy is it magic mike no no that was a little later i guess the informant oh right the informant deep cut that's a good movie it is, yeah. So that was number nine. Eight was Fame, which I don't know. Seven was, that was Capitalism. A What's that? Remake? Yeah. Um, Capitalism, A Love Story is number seven. Oh. Number six, you'll get this right away. I'm just going to say two words. Mm-hmm. Roller Derby. Whip it. Yep. There you go. Surrogates was five. I don't know what that is um invention of lying was four i don't know what that is three was a re-release of toy story number two was cloudy with a chance of meatballs people Um, say that's very good yeah maybe i gotta watch it it was the uh it was the the two guys who do all the things that are oh yeah lord and miller lord and miller yeah okay yeah I, i do like their stuff number one okay here's one number one um a comedy mm-hmm. features a cameo from a like well-regarded comedian who's been around both of our lives a very brief cameo from him and then it stars um somebody who he was just starting like oh we start we're starting to notice this guy mm. um and it's a comedy it's like an ensemble comedy um let's see what else can i say without totally giving it away it's What's a road sub- movie it's a road movie. road movie um oh was it uh, jonah hill no nope nope um skinnier if that's okay to say goofier a little little goofier in this movie but but then goes on to not be goofy he starts to play he plays a very serious role in an aaron sorkin movie later on joseph gordon levitt no jesse eisenberg it was zombie land oh zombie land yeah 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 zombie land so that's funny because That was sort of the only kind of action-y type movie on the list. Everything else was kind of, there was a lot of comedies on that list. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, it's 2009 and no no Marvels. No Marvels. No franchises. Inglorious Bastards was uh, number 13, Mm. but that had been around for 43 days. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... G.I. Joe was 22. Okay. The Final Destination, which I guess is a sequel. Yeah. Oh, and Harry Potter had been on, had been out and transferred. Uh, yes. But they're, they're way down on the list. Like yeah. 34 and 35. Because they'd been out for 80 and 101 days. So yeah, that's what a serious man was up against, according to the old box office. The time that I went to it, I went to see it in the theater... And uh, after the movie was over, I went into the bathroom 
and a man walked in and he was like really amped up. He had really enjoyed the movie. And uh, he asked me, did you just see that movie? And I was like, yeah. He's like, did you like it? I was like, yeah. He said, that's a movie about my community. Apparently he's a guy who grew up in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Oh, and he was, I was in Gainesville and uh, he was like, he really enjoyed the movie and also really wanted to tell somebody like, that's a movie about my childhood. Basically he was, he, he was like really amped up about it. That's so, that's, that's kind of endearing in a way, I think. Yeah, it was. That's a cool, that's a cool response to this. Mm -hmm. I I gotta say, because I have the movie playing in the background over here Mm -hmm. while we're talking. Larry's wife, I don't know who she is. That actress, I'm I'm sold. She's really good, right? So good. She's so good. That was something else that struck me this time, this on this viewing, which is that she was really, really good in this. And I haven't really seen her in anything else. As yeah. far as I know. What is her what's what's the actress's name? Her name is Sari Lennick or Sari Lennick. Sari Lennick, yeah. Um, and she has I, been in you know a number of things over the years, but not not a whole. She has only nine acting credits. That's it, nine. Oh, she looks familiar. She looks familiar in in her IMDb pictures. She has only. This was her first acting credit of any. And it's the only, and and it's really I mean she was in one episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine, she's she was in a Woody Allen movie. Um, she looks her the little still that they have from her demo reel like she's she doesn't have the super dark hair, she has kind of like blondish highlights. Yeah, yeah, looks. Yeah, sure. I thought she was great. Um, you know, it's there's a number of people in this movie that were never in anything else. Like the actor who plays the son, who plays Danny, was never in anything else. Yeah, um, yeah. Actress who plays his daughter, never in anything else. Um, you know, uh, obviously Richard Kind and Fred Melamed have gone on to be like, in some ways, Fred Melamed, this kind of launched his career too as a character actor. This kind of shows that for a certain kind of character actor, you know, they can be in their 50s before their career really takes off. Yeah. Did you did you listen to the, I believe it was the Mark Mar- Mark Marin episode where he interviewed him? Yes. Did you listen to that? I did. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was interesting. Some Something he said stuck with me. Um, cause he said he was, he was at a level of maybe, I don't know how he phrased it, but he said he was at a le- level of like paranoia or depression or something where he was very concerned and couldn't shake the idea of how, of how dangerous everything was. And so how hmm. it was like, he wasn't taking chances and he wasn't, he wasn't like he was like borderline from my memory anyway borderline like housebound um yeah and and was able to shake himself out of it somehow or maybe he went to therapy or something about it but this was around yeah. that time when when he was like okay i'm gonna go try some stuff and do some things yeah apparently he worked so he worked a lot in the 80s 
and worked a little bit in the 90s, but then he didn't work very much at all in the 2000s up until this movie. And then ever since this movie, he's been working very steadily. And so one thing about this movie, which I think is interesting, is it it relaunched Fred Melamed's career and it really launched Michael Stuhlbarg's career. Like he's so good. He's so good. Michael Michael Stuhlbarg is one of my favorite actors of all time, like full stop. I think he's incredible. Yeah. And this was really his first big role. I mean, he'd been in a few odd episodes of TV shows before this, but like this was really his first movie. I believe he was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. And then ever since then, he's been like a very in-demand character actor. He's just like all over the place since then. And, and that's a good thing too, because he's great. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he didn't gold star Ohio in 2010, whatever that was. Then he did Hugo mm. and men in black three. Don't know what seven psychopaths is. He was in Lincoln. He was in Hitchcock. Blue seven Jackman. psychopaths is a movie. I kind of want to check out. It's um, I never watched it, but it's the same guy who made like uh, in Bruges and some of those it's got Colin Farrell and Woody Harrelson and, it's got a huge cast, Christopher Walken. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, he's in um, Boardwalk Empire. He's good. He's got like a recurring role in Transparent, which is really good. He was in Steve Jobs. He was good in that. I mean, he's been good in mm -hmm. so many things. He's in Shape um, of Water. He's in yep. Call, me, Call Me By Your Name. Yep. Oh, he got a little uh, Marvel action, a little Marvel money, Doctor Strange. Oh, which one? Doctor Strange. I see. Um, the Post. I never saw The Post. I never saw The Post either. That's a movie that it's kind of crazy I didn't watch because it's very much up my alley, but I never watched it. We could do a offshoot. Yeah, we could do a little Spielberg, little Spielberg on the side. Uh, that would um, be, actually, that would be fun. Watch it would be fun. Oh, man. Yeah. Because I have, there's a, I like Spielberg, but I also have, a, I also dislike him in some ways. But it would be mm -hmm. fun to, to, to go through all of his stuff. Um, oh man, the staircase. What so, are you, what are you looking at? So, uh, 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 Michael Stuhlbarg is going to be in a dramatization of this true crime series that happened mm. called The Staircase, where, um, a woman died by falling down a staircase and her husband was put on trial for murder. Um, and it's been, I can't remember what the current sort of disposition of the case is, but they made a true crime series about it years ago. Like before, they made a true crime series about it kind of before the golden age of true crime series on like Netflix or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they brought it back and added a couple new episodes to like update the case, I guess. Um, anyway, mm -hmm. one of the compelling theories, and this is gonna sound kind of crazy. One of the compelling theories is that the woman might've actually fallen down the staircase because she was attacked by an owl. Oh God. Yeah, they found her body has these wounds on her scalp, which, the prosecution was never really able to explain. Oh. Um, and somebody who's an expert on like owl attacks was like, these marks are really consistent with the talons of this 
particular kind of owl, which absolutely lives in that part of California and has been known to like swoop down and <laughs> claw people on the head. Ugh. So anyway, that wow. was a bit of a, that was a bit of a detour there. <clears throat> oh yeah. Interesting. Um, so after him not being associated with burn after reading Roger mm -hmm. Deakins back, he was back he really was back. good. It, this was really, this was really, really good. Um, Speaking of cinematographers, I put some I put some connections together um, as I was watching some other movies. I was listening to a different podcast, and they were a, a silly podcast where they were talking about. Um, are, aren't all podcasts silly in a way, though? Bill, it's so Come silly. On. Come on. Um, they were talking about Adam's Family movies, the mm -hmm. Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values movies, um, which are. Oh, I had a point. God damn it! What's the guy's name? Um, Adam's Family Values was done by this guy whose name is um, Barry Sonnenfeld. And Barry <laughs> Sonnenfeld was uh, previously a cinematographer with the Coen brothers. Guess what he was cinematographer on? Raising Arizona. Oh, yeah. Which puts a lot of things together for me. Because <laughs> it's, it's my least favorite of their movies, I think. Mm -hmm. Even I, I think I even like it. No, do I like it less than Lady Killers? Probably not. Lady Killers is probably my bottom, bottom of the run. But you can see Barry Sonnenfeldness populated in both. It's like a uh -huh. bunch of mean mug, like mugging for the camera and like yeah big big cartoony takes with like huge eyes and stuff it's yeah because it, i like i like the kind of like i like barry sonnenfeld's uh contemporary like i like henry Selick, who did nightmare before christmas and did like Coraline and stuff like, well no he didn't do Coraline. i'm sorry he did uh but henry Selick did james and the giant peach and some other stuff like that and i like tim burton barry sonnenfeld though you know, he did those Adams Family movies and some other things. I don't know. I just don't yeah. like him. Don't like him. Kind of a hack, a bit hacky. I guess. I don't know. Um, and um, yeah, speaking of, I'm just sort of looking through some of these little facts, factlets. Uh, mm -hmm. Open auditions for the roles of Danny and Sarah were held at the SABES, S-A-B-E-S, Jewish Community Center in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. So no wonder we didn't know, we didn't hear about this kid Danny yeah. because he was just some kid from St. Louis Park. And I yeah. think they grew up here, right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. So they grew up in St. Louis Park. Um, and for our listener out there, um, I'm in Minnesota, so I could like pop over to some of these locations. You could. Yeah, that, I mean, so the Blu-ray has a little featurette about their production design, which I thought was really fascinating because oh, okay. it talks about where they filmed it. They found a just kind of mid-century um, temple somewhere in one of the suburbs of Minnesota, uh, on one of the suburbs of the Twin Cities that they filmed it at. And uh, they also built a lot of the sets inside an old school that wasn't being used. 
Oh, okay. They were able to use, yeah, they were able to build a lot of the sets, not on a soundstage, but like in this school, like uh, Dr. Sussman's bedroom is in this school. The, um, the Jolly Roger, they built in this schoolhouse. The, the set where they had the weird sci-fi movie on the TV was right. And everything. Yeah. I, 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 I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I saw that and I was like, there's no way, there's no way that was a of the time sci-fi. It, like it just didn't feel like it. It didn't look like it. It looked yeah. very much looked like something that they had made, but it looked cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, a lot of old, a lot of old Jewish guys in this movie. Yep. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. You think that they, in, uh, uh, you think that they can't get any older, and then you see the the final rabbi. The final rabbi. <laughs> Good lord! Like the the principal of the Jewish school where Danny goes. That guy, like, he, uh, another sh you know another shot of him with the with the hairy ear. Not only a lot of not only a lot of very old men, but a lot of very old men that make a lot of mouth sounds when they talk and breathe. Like I noticed a lot of mouth sounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, and is the portrayal of the student, the mm. Korean student, are we terrible for laughing at that portrayal and laughing? Uh, it's at a little the... rough. He, that's another actor that was never in anything again. That was his one, his one role. I wonder if they also just found a lot of these people locally. Um, I, yeah. It, is, is it bad to laugh at that scene? Secret test. Secret, secret test. Mere surmiser? Yeah, it is probably a little bit bad. But, you know... I, but it, it's not i don't know it is it just just a just like a a mathematical exercise okay of like two people misunderstanding one another i i i un, i totally understand how like doing a mockery of 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 somebody's speech is not okay yeah i understand that but also there is inherent comedic value in somebody misunderstanding another person. Right. I mean, that's been since vaudeville days since. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, it's what, it's what we've been doing. It, but again, if I'm wrong, I will quickly be like, okay, throwing the scene out the window. I'm not going to like die on, die on that hill or whatever, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, you, you know, it's like you and I have said to each other, I know where everything is. I know what everything is. <laughs> and then and then when the father shows up and is like, I've got you, I've got you cornered because if you take the money, I'll sue. If you don't take the money, that's defamation. You know, it's yes. just he's got to catch 22. Right. And he's like, who am I defaming him to? And Larry's uh, Larry's repetition of I, I, I haven't done anything. Right. And, and and how they crystallize it in the um, I'm sort of jumping around here, but how the how the Coens crystallize it with the phone call from the Columbia Records guy saying, well, of course, you didn't do anything. Therefore, right. you inherently get this. Exactly. Uh, get this uh, uh, response. I think to subscribe, that, you take no action <laughs> to subscribe. You take no action. And, and, I think and then that, go, go ahead. Yeah. 
Well, and then when when uh, Danny calls, he's like, "Danny, did you just subscribe to the Columbia Records Club?" Um, <laughs> and he I, comes home. I think he comes home, and you can hear the sound of this, the the wife just wailing in the background, and his daughter greets him at the door, and she's mad about the TV antenna, and he's like, "She's like, oh, Cy Abelman died in the car crash." What? And- and Larry's paying for the for the funeral and stuff. Yes. And like, what is and, Hashem trying to tell me, making me pay for Cy Abelman's funeral? See, even that is like a that's like a partial Big Lebowski uh, reference of, of like Walter taking care of his ex wife's uh, Pomeranian. Good point. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> Good point. Why don't you board it? Can't board it. It's a fucking show dog with fucking, fucking papers. Fucking papers. Yeah. Um, but but I think in at least in talking about it right now, I think the it's that that Columbia Records thing sort of crystallizes for me the theme of of Larry's life, which is he thinks if he doesn't do anything, he's fine. Right. He shouldn't get repercussions because he hasn't done anything right and and i think that's the moral of the story if there is one right. is like doing nothing does not does you, you are not guaranteed um no reaction from doing nothing exactly yeah doing nothing is often something like doing nothing is not neutral necessarily <laughs> right um um there's so much like i was thinking this time that mrs samsky <laughs> That's an that's a good actress, Amy Landecker. She's been in a bunch of stuff, um, but she and she her performance is really good. Who, uh, who is she? I, the name is Amy Landecker. She's she's sort of she's kind of been in a bunch of stuff. She was in Transparent. Who is she, she was in, in, in the um, movie? The name the name is not triggering. Oh, the the sexy neighbor. Oh yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. 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 She. Oh, she was in Doctor Strange too. Um, uh but yeah she i think that there's probably something biblical about that like seeing her naked from see like i don't know it just seems like there's some references there the the way i yeah that that shot of her naked in the in the backyard is is interesting and and because i think another filmmaker director cinematographer whoever was responsible for the shot would have zoomed in more to like mm-hmm. hammer home look she's naked you know and mm-hmm. it's she's very like it's it's far it's away sort of like it makes you kind of like go like what is it, it yeah. gives you the feeling that you are larry like right like hearing over the thing yeah it's so right. good so yeah. good yeah by the way the guy who plays um uh Groshkover. Mm-hmm. I think he was the Tratel Groshkover. Yep. Um he was the very beginning rabbi, right? The guy in the flashback. No, he's the Dibbuk, yeah. Um that actor's name is it's a great name. Philip Fivish Finkel. Yep. Great name. And he was in was he on was he on like uh, Seinfeld or something a bunch at some point? Since he's on Picket Fences, Boston Public, I don't recognize him Picket from fences. from Seinfeld. Picket Fences is maybe what I'm thinking of. 
while while we're talking, you know, while we're talking about the cast, um, the brother, the Arthur. Oh my God, that actor, Richard Kind. He's great. Richard Kind. He's so. I know. I know you don't watch um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and maybe me insisting that you need to watch it is the same thing as you telling me to watch um, Reservation Dogs. Like maybe yeah. it's just shoving you further and further away from it. Um, he's so good. He plays Larry's brother in um, many seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he's so funny. Mm -hmm. his, his, well, he's like, the dad. He's one of the dads on Big Mouth, and is very funny in that too. His voice is just like, I'm, I can't, I'm not going to try and imitate it. It's just so good. It's, it's unmistakable. Adam Arkin was in this? Oh, I'm yeah. thinking Alan Arkin. Not, not I think that's his son. Oh, okay. I think it's his son. Yep, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin and Jeremy Yaffe are his parents. Hmm. Is Alan Arkin gay? I did not know. Uh. Yeah, apparently. I mean, unless... There you go. All right, I'm pausing well, because you're you're looking. I think that might be a female Jeremy. Oh. Because he was married to Jeremy Yaffe, and then he was married to Barbara Dana, and then he was married to Suzanne Newlander. Okay. So I think that's probably a, a woman named Jeremy. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got my buffoonery on. Uh, on audio yeah stumbling over all of that okay yep. um let's see uh, the uh, the 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 neighbor interactions oh yeah <laughs> with, the, with the guy the like the the man's man kind of guy like with right his son playing catch every every time he looks over yeah um, and how did he end up in the Jew how did that guy accidentally end up in the Jewish neighborhood? <laughs> the, he has those interactions with them, which are confrontational. And then, uh, like I said, I have the movie playing in the background. Right now, it's the scene where, where the, the student's dad is confronting Larry at his house. And, yep. he, and the neighbor walks over and goes, is this man bothering you? <laughs> yep, exactly. There's a little bit of American racial calculation there, which is that... You know, he doesn't like him because he's Jewish, but he'll take his side against a Chinaman, right? As he would right. put it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and there's something so emasculating about somebody, about another guy using that line to another guy. Is this man bothering yes. you? That's, that's, that's true. That's, that's like a classic, uh, <laughs> like that's yep. a classic Hollywood line that somebody says to like the damsel. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> That's and correct. I, and I think that this movie, it, 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 as I said, like, it's all about just Larry's just inability to do anything. So, but, but he does sleep with the neighbor. So he does, he does yeah. have that going for him. Somehow. Does he, or does he just get high with her? There's that scene where she's. That's a dream sequence though. Oh, that was a dream sequence. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. 
There's but you know. Um Roger Ebert. Wanna know what Roger Ebert said about this? Movie? Yeah. Four out of four stars from Roger. Mm-hmm. As it should be. Thought I had the quick link to his review. Let me grab it. Um typey typey type. Tappy tappy tappy. Four four out of four stars from from Roger. Uh, let's see. There's a story told in a serious man that may seem out of place. I believe it acts as a parable reflecting the film Gopnik's life and indeed the book of Job. Yeah, that that's something that we didn't mention is how this this is like an uh, book of Job sort of retelling. Not mm -hmm. I mean not retelling, but it's definitely in the spirit of um it's the one yeah. about the Jewish genesis who discovers the words help me naturally occurring in Hebrew on the back of the a Gentile's lower teeth. Remember that many parables contain their messages in their last lines. Okay. Makes sense. The, the tornado just at the very end, right when Larry decides to ease up on his student and give him the, the seam. And then he's like, minus. Yeah. Right. And C. Yeah. Minus. And, and, uh, the kid, uh, one of the one of my favorite side characters in this. Well, both of both of Danny's friends, the one with whom he gets high. Like at one point, when when he's at the bar mitzvah and he's really high, and he looks out into the audience and he catches the eyes of his friend who's also really high, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then also the other friend that is always saying "fuck" is like, looks like that flag's gonna rip right off the fucking flagpole. Yeah. Uh, he's a fucker. I love that character. Wait, who's a fucker? He's a fucker. Yeah, both fuckers. Yeah. 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 And he's got that. He's got that big. That big kid that wants to beat him up, but because he's so big, he runs out of breath, so he can always just easily run away from. <laughs> and in the middle, and it's yeah. it, it, like one of the times that he's running away from him is happening when Larry's in the middle of of one of those confrontations with the neighbor, the and the, oh, man. the kid, the student's dad what's going on like everything is just f troop is always messed up on the antenna he's always got to be up on mm. causes the the car accident um when he sees when he sees uh what's his name clive clive what's the student's name yeah yeah he's him riding his bike with the mask on with a mask which yeah. i guess that's because of the exhaust from the cars i don't know or it's just a, a racist portrayal by the coen brothers that like asian people wear masks i don't know was that i wonder if that was true back in the 60s as it was recently i don't know uh, yeah i don't i don't know i don't know one of the other little tidbits in that uh production design featurette that's on the blu-ray <clears throat> is the fact that so they found a suburb and they removed a lot of the trees digitally mm. like they wanted it to look more like it would have looked like back in the 60s when it was a newly established suburb. So they digitally removed most of the trees to make it look like it was just sort of plopped down on a prairie. Okay. Uh, which, okay. Is, which is what those suburbs were originally. Mm -hmm. um, 
but like that's that's an attention to detail that's really like um that's just a very impressive level of attention to detail i think most filmmakers would have been like well the houses are basically right for the period so this is a good place to shoot and they're like no not only do the houses have to be right we have to dress up their garages to make them have one car garages instead of two car garages and we've got to digitally remove a lot of the trees that are here because there wouldn't have been those trees back in the late 60s yeah i mean they're probably they're probably reproducing their childhoods i would imagine yeah like no it didn't feel like this it felt different than this yeah Um, that's right another line that i think you and i say with moderate frequency is um just look at that parking lot let's look at that parking lot just look at at that part just look to the parking lot larry (laughs) (laughs) that inept like rabbi who looks like rabbi scott (laughs) you don't want a rabbi to be named scott you know what i mean (laughs) you know you're in trouble your rabbi is called scott he's trying to like put a he's trying to put like a philosophical bent on it and Right. He's then says, "Well, she's sleeping with Cy Abelman, and they she wants. Oh, 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 yeah. Well, okay. He's just sort and of. We'll need to get, it. yeah. We'll need to get. <laughs> and the way oh. Esther is barely cold. Several different people say that. <laughs> You're right. referring to Cy Abelman's first wife. They still do the thing where one character will repeat another character's uh, lines." Because then yeah. Larry uses the, um, was it Cy? No, no, it was uh, his wife said, yeah, but she's been dead three years. Yeah. Um, what I the, something I caught on this rewatch is the title probably refers to Cy Abelman, right? Because mm. that's who gets referred to as a serious man again and again, not Larry. Yes. Does right. He, does, but does Larry, ref- I can't remember. Does Larry refer Larry to Larry says he's tried to be a serious man. Oh, I see. When he's exasperatingly telling the rabbi's secretary why he needs to speak to Rabbi Marshak, he's like, I've, I've tried to be a serious man. And this is shortly after Seidelman's funeral where he gets referred to without question as a serious man. Yeah, yeah. From the, I, I don't know if it's called a pulpit, but yeah. Yeah. From the pulpit. And- it it's such a great movie, so good. Yeah, it's so good. Um, trying to think if there was other little little details I picked up on this time. The, I don't know. Yeah. The, even even just even just like the first time you see Cy Abelman when he's at the back door, or I guess it's the front door. I don't know. Yeah, you open like, the door and you see his face and the face he's making, he's already making this face of like, hello. Like, I don't, I can't explain it, but he's already, <laughs> he's already, he's already got this look of like earnest, compassionate, but also very, very patronizing pity on his face. It, Even just in that first look on his face, you can see that he's just dripping with condescension toward, uh, toward Larry. Well, here's an interesting but, but question. Trying to look sympathetic. Here's an interesting question, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think Sai. I don't think Sai is trying to be condescending. I think because I think condescension implies like insincerity. 
I mm-hmm. think Cy Abelman, I think that's the beauty of his character, is that he buys 100% into what he's saying. Like, he, he is, he's not a phony. He believes this to his core. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, yeah, the Jolly Roger but, is actually a nice place. Yeah. And, and I'm, it, I but, know but, I'm... D- Go, go ahead. But then, but why does he send the nasty letters to the oh, tenure? That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so I don't know. No, you. No, you. Total, you're totally right. You totally. You're totally right. <laughs> Speaking of that, the professor who is the head of the tenure committee, that's also. You told me mm-hmm. he's an actual professor at University of Minnesota. He's a he's a linguistics professor, who is kind of involved in like the Twin Cities arts scene, but he's not really an actor. And he's so good in those he's scenes. So, like he nails so those scenes. The, I, I, I mean, we both, we both are in academia, you in a, a professor role and me in a staff, lowly staff position. But um, I, I know guys like that. And, and yeah. like the scene where he says, where he's telling um, Larry about about the notes that mm-hmm. I, I have I have either been a, a part of conversations like that with people here or I've seen other people be a part of conversations like that where it's just like what are you why are you saying this if it doesn't tie in then why are you telling me this yeah and and <laughs> and um, he he has no idea how to like console or it's like he's the exact opposite of the way Cy Abelman is interacting with Larry because he's mm. just kind of like oh yeah this is terrible news I'm gonna go now and he just kind of walks away yeah but also the way he just kind of stands at the doorway never comes all the way in no that is a very classic professor talking to another professor move you kind of wander down to so-and-so's office and you kind of lean on their door frame and then you know that's just like 100 the way it actually goes yep yep oh man well maybe that i, I think that like... office area was actually filmed i think that office area was actually filmed at st olaf it um, um it says some of it was it says on the wiki um it was i just had it up it was filmed uh uh, normandale community college an office scene was shot at normandale community college in bloomington the film also uses set built in a school library as well as small sections of the second floor science building hallway okay synagogue is benai emmett synagogue in st louis park there you oh, go. And the Coens also shot some scenes at St. Olaf College in um, an old science building because of yep. the similar period architecture. Yeah. Emily had a, a friend in college at that time who, uh, um, who like tried to be an extra. She was an actress and like word got out that the Coen brothers were going to be filming at St. Olaf. And so she tried to be an extra and I don't think it worked out for her, oh. but <laughs> man, but I believe if I'm not wrong, it's the same person who did eventually end up having a role. I want to say on the good life. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Pretty good. Man, yeah. the, are, 
you know, they're they're about to come out with the Macbeth movie. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not Cohen Brothers. It's just, just Cohen Brother. Just Cohen Brother. They yeah. we might be at the end of of the duo because I think the whoever's not involved, I th- I think he said he was just kind of done. Maybe uh maybe it's going to be revealed that Joel C O E N was actually also Joel C O H E N all along. <laughs> Joel Cohen um, is a, is a is a he's a uh, screenwriter mm. who wrote a lot of movies. Oh man! Well, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I guess I am. Uh, don't know what the hell I'm talking about here. Actually, <laughs> like I really thought that there was another filmmaker named Joel Cohen. Yeah. Which. Uh, Um, Cohen. Hold on one second. Isn't there like, like, wasn't there like a like a like a anecdote about how uh, uh, Bill Murray agreed to be the voice of Garfield because he thought it was the Cohen brothers doing it, and but it was actually just another guy. Hold on. <laughs> so I felt the, like a crazy person right now. So Bill, the, here's here's I am all about this Garfield. Um, drama here is what i know about the garfield drama i i love that you brought this up here's what happened um bill murray stars in ghostbusters they make as a you know huge hit they make the real ghostbusters television show which they had to call the real ghostbusters because there was already a television a kids tv cartoon called the Ghostbusters. Mm. So they had to call it the real Ghostbusters. The first person that they had playing Peter Venkman's voice was the voice actor Lorenzo Music. Yes. And Bill Murray heard uh, this is this might be wildly wrong, but this is how I remember it. Bill Murray heard Lorenzo Music's uh, voice on The Real Ghostbusters, and he was like, I hate that guy's voice. That's not what I sound like. Get somebody else. So mm-hmm. subsequent seasons, they have Dave Coulier of Full uh, House fame, the cut-it-out guy, the guy who yep. apparently I learned recently that Alanis Morissette allegedly wrote the song You Ought to Know About. Yep. That guy. Replace him with that guy. Now... The reason that that is ironic is because, which is also, by the way, an Alanis Morissette song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, The reason that's ironic is because Lorenzo Music was the voice of Garfield. Mm -hmm. Now, if we fast forward into the future after the 80s, who plays the voice of Garfield in the live action CGI movies? Who is it? Fucking Bill Murray. And so there was a kernel that I, there was a kernel here, which is that that movie was written by Joel Cohen. There we go. And Alex Sokolov, but it's a different Joel Cohen with it. It is the Joel Cohen with an H. Yeah. Cheaper by the dozen toy story. Also wrote Evan Almighty, Daddy Daycamp. Whatever that is. Just great. Just great. Um, Yeah. But I love that whole Garfield, Bill Murray saga. I love it. 
All right. And on that note, let's, uh, how about we wrap it up? What do you I think? think it's definitely a dude's rug. Dude's there rug. Ever was I forget. A dude's rug. This is... Yeah. I yeah. We didn't, do our, we didn't do our rating I, last I, time, but that's okay. We haven't done those ratings in a long time. I forgot. Yeah, we kind of forgot about the ratings. I forgot about it, and I don't know that I'm going to revive it, but it's top tier. Definitely top tier. Oh, my God. Like, this, it could be number one. It's in the top five for me. Uh. Serious Man, Big Lebowski, No Country. Uh, I don't know. I mean, those are those are my top three. I think it's in. I think it's my top. It's definitely my top three. And I, those three are probably also my top three. But I think Lewin Davis also slips into my top tier as well. I gotta watch Uh, that again. Yeah. Well, next is True Grit. True Grit. True Grit. Bringing back... Um... Haley Steinfeld origin story. Oh, man. She's great. She is great in Hawkeye. So, so, so good in Hawkeye. So we have a... Emily and I have a running joke in that. I think Emily has literally never seen Haley Steinfeld in anything. She's mm-hmm. never seen anything that Haley... So so all of these references to Haley Steinfeld all over the place, she's like, who the hell is Haley Steinfeld? And I try yeah. to, you know, so it's become like a running joke. She's, so, so when we, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm done. She's in. She's also in. Uh, um, I'm googling her. Stein, Haley, it's spelled with E E. Haley Steinfeld. Um, yep. she's also in this TV show. I want to check out. Um. Dickinson. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Dickinson. I want to watch Dickinson. I want to watch Dickinson. She was in this movie a few years ago about a high school kid called The Edge of 17, which I've been wanting to watch for years because I heard it was good. It's got Woody Harrelson in it. Um, when did that come out? I don't see. Oh, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also she's voiced in that, that Netflix show Arcane that I really want to watch. I, I started it and then turned it off. I couldn't get into it, but I was doing other things. So, um, mm-hmm. apparently, my friend who likes uh, Transformers movies, he uh, he said she was good in Bumblebee. Yeah, I heard she Bumblebee is good. I heard Bumblebee is like the only good Transformers movie. Oh, she's in between between two ferns. The movie, that's funny. Good old yeah. Scott. No, she's, Scotty she's Ackerman good. Movie. I don't know if she's a good singer because she's also a pop star. Oh, the, I didn't know the, that. the pop star. Yeah, she's she's got a side gig, but I think that uh, she was. I don't know. I don't know if she's actually a good singer though. That's I've not. Ne- I've actually never listened to her music. She has two EPs. Haze, H I H A I Z, and half written story. Hmm. Well. Hmm. That's all I know. And then there's a bunch yeah. of bunch of songs on there. All right. Well, let's uh, seal up the old Cohen Bros for now. Yeah, man. We did it. Oh, we talk to you we, uh, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. See you next time. See no, I was time. just stretching. See you next time.